Welcome in to another edition of SmackDown Rebellion presented by IRW Network and also WrestleZone Radio. You can go to WrestleZone.com. Also, IRWNetwork.com to get this audio right here. Also, SoundCloud if you would like to. iTunes as well. We're back on iTunes. Plenty of places to go check out SmackDown Rebellion. You can follow me on Twitter at jjansen34, WrestleZone on Twitter at WrestleZone.com, IRW Network on Twitter at IRW Network, and Classic Me have no idea the Twitter handle of my guest, which is the awesome Bill Pritchard, now the Iron Man of WrestleZone, I would say, right? Uh, Bill Pritchard, where can they find you on Twitter? You're our sw- social media guru anyway, aren't you? Uh... Yeah, well, I'm on WrestleZone.com as the account most of the time, and then uh, my personal account is bpritchard152, usually on the WrestleZone account most of the time during these shows, but, you know, hit me up on both. Yeah, hit him up on both, and uh, I feel like most of the interactions I have with you are when you are on the WrestleZone account, and we're arguing about Wawa and Sheets. Like, I, I feel like we could have an entire, screw SmackDown Live, we can have an entire podcast on why Wawa is better than Sheets. No, I, I think you have that flipped, but yeah, some of, some of the more fun moments uh, watching the shows are the commercial break tweets, I like to call them, or the non-wrestling <laughs> tweets, like what movie previews coming out, like... Uh, last week, uh, um, what was it called? Flatliners. I was like, oh, Flatliners, they're making a remake. And somebody was like, yeah, it's actually a sequel. And then we went on because, like, I was telling you before we started recording, last week's SmackDown wasn't so great, so... We had a nice little conversation about Flatliners, cheap plug for the movie. No idea Flatliners was a sequel to anything. I had no idea any of that existed. So that's, I learned something new. Okay, so that was probably the best conversation you've had recently during commercial breaks was about Flatliner. Any other ones that Um, stick out to you? Nah, nothing, nothing really. I mean, some of the comments I get for some of the stuff that happens on the show, I can't really repeat or (laughs) maybe I shouldn't, but I do, I just want to let people know I do read them and I get a laugh out of them. I'm just trying to be professional and I will, I will not retweet them. So if anybody just wants to see it, go on the WrestleZone Twitter account and just look at the replies that we have. And then you get just full on entertainment, full on unadulterated, uncensored entertainment that we just can't endorse on WrestleZone.com. <laughs> but uh, everybody, I, I want to say, uh, first of all, there's a lot of changes going on at WrestleZone. I don't even know if I have to say anything, but a lot of people uh, that I really admire and respect are gone. But Nick Hausman, now the executive editor, congrats to Nick. Uh, it's a lot of changes going on at WrestleZone, but I still like working here. And I like the people I work with and I like the people I did. That doesn't change at all, but a lot of changes, but all of it hopefully for the better. And we still have the great Bill Pritchard. So everything is still fine in the world, right? Couldn't <laughs> put it better myself. Happy <laughs> that, you know, I'm happy Nick's running the show now. And I told him, you know, he's done a lot of cool things in the two years or so he's been here and looking forward to see what he can do when he's on, you know, he's running things as the executive (laughs) editor. I think his title is now, I think he said he might work on that, but, uh, you know, a lot of things coming up. There's some staff changes, but moving forward, looking forward to what we can do 
Yeah, absolutely. A, a lot of good things going on. I feel like you, you said Nick. You didn't say Nick Paglino, Nick Hausman. I feel like that was I'm such sorry. a Bill Pritchard like towing the line. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you said Nick, and I'm like, wait, we've had two Nicks, you know? Yeah, <laughs> Nick Hausman. <laughs> Nick Hausman, congrats to Nick. Our I producer leader <laughs> our fearless leader <laughs> that is that's his new title forget executive editor our fearless leader nick hausman taking us into the promised land of wrestling so that's what we're doing but let's go into uh smackdown live uh usually i, I like to we have done a bunch of shenanigans already uh but Usually I like to go over a news story, but I think some of the biggest stuff going on in SmackDown Live because we got some matches that are ready to go. Uh, so we'll, we'll go straight into the show. SmackDown Live started off with Kevin Owens. That great, uh, again, sometimes when I'm not able to watch the show, I love when they do these promo packages in the beginning to give me a recap of like, okay, here's the best thing that happened on SmackDown Live last week. Here's all you need to know. And that's exactly what I need for somebody that uh, unfortunately had to miss SmackDown Live last week. So I love that promo. They do it uh, pretty much every SmackDown Live. So I love that they do it to kind of recap. Here's what happened before. Here's all just the meat and potatoes of it all. Uh, so it was great. But we get Kevin Owens out here. And he, he's cutting this great promo. We get Sami Zayn out. And uh, I, I liked everything that went on here because we got uh, Kevin Owens... Uh, furthering along that, you know, Vince McMahon, I respect him, don't respect Shane, and that's why I'm going to tear you apart in Hell in the Cell. That's great. But we get uh, the inclusion of Sami Zayn into this storyline as well, and also the fact that, hey, Shane's ha Shane isn't here, so we still get that surprise of, well, what could happen at the end of the show. Uh, so I, I liked how things started out here with Sami Zayn being included in this, and also that kind of mystery of, well, what Shane is going to do. What is he going to do at the end of this show? So I, I love all of that. It was a great tone setter for the show and kind of got us to think, well, what could happen now? Yeah, I think after the, the headbutt, there's not too much you can do as far as like anything physical that would yep. make that moment like still have the same effect. Like they're not going to beat each other up week after week. So I think keeping them separate last week and then having this where, you know, it was really just a run in and no con like no contact and you know, it served its perfect. It served its purpose. It's going to build to next week. It keeps you interested and, you know, I thought all around it was, you know, just a good a good segment and good build throughout the show. Yeah, and uh, I I kind of agree. It's almost like, what do you do after that? Like, they did kind of the most shocking, uh, the biggest moment we'll see in this buildup, Kevin Owens headbutting Shane, or Vince McMahon. So it's kind of like, and last week they did the via satellite uh, kind of video packages. But it's it's almost like after that moment with Vince, like, what do you do now? How can you further along this because they hit that peak moment how do you keep this going now this momentum going till hell in a cell and they thought that Sami Zayn being included in it and not having Kevin Owens get physical with Shane anymore I I like it I like what they're doing with this um so Sami Zayn now included in it I like that as well because Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens always something that you can go back to no matter what and it always has a good story behind it and it always makes sense Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens together and this made sense Kevin Sami Zayn going out like dude this 15 years like I know when you're snapping and you're crossing the line like Sami Zayn is somebody makes sense as a character that would know that so I, I like the interaction between those two and Anybody that argues Sami Zayn and Kevin 
Kevin Owens, well, they're too much together. We've seen him a lot. Doesn't matter. The, always there's some kind of story behind it, and whenever Sami Zayn is involved in any kind of Kevin Owens storyline, it makes sense. So I enjoy that part of it. So we get Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Daniel Bryan says there's going to be a match later tonight. And then uh, we come back, we get this uh, Baron Corbin, Ty Dillinger match. And AJ Styles kind of on commentary for that. And we get Baron Corbin throwing Ty Dillinger into AJ Styles and Ty Dillinger out for a 10 count. Do you like how they've been doing this as well? Because kind of the same thing. It's like that third party being included that adds a different uh, kind of dynamic and able to further along without much interaction from Baron Corbin and AJ they're still able to further along the storyline because they're using kind of Ty Dillinger as that uh, as the way of showing physicality without really doing anything. Yeah, I think this has been really well done as far as not being like a traditional triple threat or multi-man sit- match situation. Like, it feels like they did all summer, like Fatal 4-Way, Fatal 5-Way. Like, this is a good way to... You know, keep interest in a Styles Corp, uh, Styles Corbin feud, and kind of get Dillinger over at the same time because yes, pretty much for the like two weeks, you know, his debut on SmackDown, and two weeks after that, like he kind of faded away and had like a brief thing with Aiden English, but it was kind of like, you know, where'd he go? And at least this is a way to like feature him without putting him right into a title feud and then you know we still have two weeks until the pay-per-view so who knows maybe it will be a triple threat but i really like how they're kind of mixing it up week after week and just you know i didn't i didn't know that it was going to be a singles match at (laughs) hell in a cell and now it's styles corbin so who knows what's going to happen yeah, I'm uh, I'm glad that they did include Ty Dillinger in it. And you always get those complaints kind of when Ty Dillinger kind of just it continues to lose to both Corbin and AJ Styles. And there's always those complaints, well, you're making Ty Dillinger look weak. You know, this Ty Dillinger is so much better than this. He should be treated better. But like you said, we haven't seen Ty Dillinger much. We're now seeing Ty Dillinger in matches with Baron Corbin, AJ Styles. He's had U.S. title matches. Like, he's had his opportunity in the spotlight, something that he hasn't had. And no matter how that's being done, like, we see the best example of this that I bring up all the time is uh, is Brizongo. They, they were in the spotlight first because... Tyler Breeze dressed up as Nikki Bella and it was hilarious. People thought it was funny and that snowballed into what they're doing now. And that's the same thing. Like They were able to be in the spotlight on TV and it turned into something. With Ty Dillinger, we are now getting him on TV and we're continuing to see him in matches and no matter what the end game is for him, that's a lot better than what you said, kind of getting lost and not doing anything. So I, I like that Ty Dillinger is included in this. He adds a part to the story that works and you're doing that by also making sure that he's in the spotlight some as well. And we see Ty Dillinger. We hear a song. We do the 10 chant. That continues to roll along and further along this good story between Baron Corbin and AJ Styles. So I really like it. My favorite part of this match, though, is when Baron Corbin threw Ty Dillinger into AJ Styles. And I, and I always try and find uh, uh, things that seem a little bit different because sometimes... We've seen a lot now. It seems to go through a routine. We see the same thing a lot. But one thing I really enjoyed when Ty Dillinger knocked into AJ Styles and we're doing the 10 count, 
Like, he didn't just stay in his spot and get counted out at 10. He got to the rope and he was so close. And usually when we see that a million times, when somebody is right by the rope at the count of nine, he's in right away or she's in right away and it's they're back in. And, you know, it happens every time. It, like, means nothing when somebody is able to ma- make it back in at 10. Ty Dillinger wasn't able to. Like, he wasn't able to get there, and that's something I loved. He was so close, and we usually see superstars get that close and get in, and it happens a million times. But the, now, finally, we get that one time where Ty Dillinger gets so close and doesn't. And little things like that I really enjoy, and I thought Ty Dillinger did very well with that, getting to that rope very close. And then also Baron Corbin with a little kick at the end. But, uh, yeah, I just thought it was uh, it was all pretty well done here. Yeah, I think, you know... Like we kind of touched on, if you can give him more screen time, it's going to help him in the long run. Like when he debuted, it was, you know, all about the 10 chant. People like doing the 10 chant, but if you can make him multidimensional by, you know, almost making him the new underdog on the show and almost like a Sami Zayn, like look how everybody wants to see him and you get behind him by, you know, he doesn't win every week. Dillinger's not going to win every week, especially in this situation. Like you have Styles, who's more experienced, and Corbin, who's bigger and more of a fighter. Like the only thing, like if they don't have something for him right now, adding him to a feud like this is going to help him just by giving him exposure. Yeah, I can I completely agree with that. So we we get at the end of this Baron Corbin. I thought one of his better promos. It's a lot better when he's still trying to sell and do his promo than coming out and doing his usual like pacing back and forth like really weird like bouncing back and forth left to right and then just doing the same tone. Like it was it seemed more natural uh, when he was trying to sell and, like, you know, he's out of breath. Like, that seemed a lot more natural than what we usually see from Baron Corbin. But it was good, and we got the setup for United States Championship with Baron Corbin and AJ Styles. Do you like that it's just a singles match, or did you kind of want that triple threat? I'm okay with it as is for now. I'm curious to see what they do in the next two weeks, but, I mean, I think... Whether Corbin wins the title or Styles retains, I think there's still going to be, you know, some other combination going into like Survivor Series. Yeah, I could see that being kind of uh, because they still you're right. There's two weeks left. So what do you kind of do now that everything's set up? Maybe the big swerve or the big match is Ty Dillinger uh, trying to win his way into the triple threat. Like I could see that certainly happening and either Baron Corbin winning and making Ty Dillinger kind of a non-factor at all, kind of have him out of the match, or Ty Dillinger is able to pick up the victory and we see him in that a triple threat. But I, I think certainly something could because there still is two weeks to make something happen uh, and they have to continue to kind of keep fan interest for another few weeks until Hell in a Cell. I think that's a good way to do it. Uh, having that kind of storyline of Ty Dillinger take a bigger spotlight and see if he gets into maybe that US title match or not. But we get to Jinder Mahal and the Singh brothers. And of course, I think was it last week when everybody really got upset and uh, was very upset over the comments that Jinder Mahal made uh, to Shinsuke? I think that was last week. Yeah, but- that was the, uh, the. It was. Most people said it was a racist promo. I'm trying to think of the words uh, Corey Graves used to describe it. Uh, but yeah, last week it got a lot of heat and uh, even got some attention from the Washington Post about 
how people reacted to it. I think personally, it was a little overblown. I, you know, I know I'm watching WWE a uh, fake. Sorry, shouldn't say fake. <laughs> you just said the F word, man. I'm gonna have to bleep everyone. that out of the podcast. <laughs> it's you know, it's playing on your emotions. It's a story, like whatever. But yeah, that was the promo. Yeah, so and they kind of touched on it again tonight, although it wasn't, wasn't yeah, as long in the tooth, I guess. Right, that's what it kind of seemed like. It's like, okay, well, we still have to kind of go through with this because there was, as we saw, a payoff with it. So it's like, okay, we'll put the pictures up, tone it down on kind of the other remarks that he was saying because I know he was using like an accent that seemed stereotypical and kind of racist and saying things like oh Pikachu and like all of these stereotypical Japanese things and one thing I have to say about it it is all ironic a guy that there is probably some racism towards that we kind of boo everything about his country and everything and then all of a sudden he says something racist and we're like whoa you can't do that it's like well He's that's the whole that's the whole point. Like he's saying, you guys are a bunch of racists and here, let me prove it. I'm going to be racist here and you're going to call me it, even though I've been calling you that for a while. And but I'm the racist like it's just it's all very ironic and I find it hilarious. But at the end, it's a storyline. There's racism in a lot of storylines that happen on TV, in movies, WWE. It's a TV product. I don't think it's much different. And especially when Jinder Mahal is making a point and a good one. But Jinder Mahal yeah, and the Singh brothers kind of toned it down a bit. But we get the payoff of it all. All of these pictures going on of Shinsuke Nakamura. And then finally we get the video of our picture we thought it was of him. And then he slowly starts to move. And it becomes Shinsuke Nakamura saying something and coming out. And the attack I thought was good because finally he overcame the odds. Like this is the first time because usually it's been Shinsuke go out there, get beat up by the Singh brothers and Jinder Mahal. That's it. We finally got that moment where we think like, okay, Shinsuke can overcome the odds here. Like that's something I think we, I I like to see that Shinsuke. Yes, it is tough to overcome these odds, but he finally has like, there is that kind of hope that he can, even with the Singh brothers ringside, beat Jinder Mahal. So I thought that was a good thing to see. But I hope next week, or maybe in a couple weeks before Hell in a Cell, we get Shinsuke kind of beat up again and kind of uh, ganged up on. So I just thought it was a good visual, though, to know, hey, Shinsuke can overcome these odds. Yeah, I I liked how they did it. Um, I mean, I think you put it perfectly. It's ironic that... People are getting mad at Jinder for doing this when yeah. people treat him like this. Like this is yeah. the first thing I thought of. Like you're, you're like almost being like hypocritical because yeah. some of the com- some of the comments are from people that are saying stuff about him being champion for all summer. So I I feel like that's almost the underlying message that the writers are trying to get across. Yeah, and I think it's working, but um, kind of like. Kind of like how I said Shane and Owens, like, you know, there's contact and then there's like a drop off. And then there was a little bit more tonight. I think, you know, last week Shinsuke didn't do anything. He attacked tonight. I think we're going to see that again in the next coming weeks. I wouldn't even be surprised to see him take on the Singh brothers in a handicap match. Okay. 
because it's a way to keep him and Jinder apart for the most part. I mean, they could always attack whatever, but I think we're going to see something like that where, you know, he maybe gets a little bit of an upper hand, so to speak, going into it, but at the same time he get, you know, gets beat down and Jinder, you know, shows like, hey, I'm the champ. I have the odds in my favor. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've really taken a lot more interest in the past, like, three weeks instead of, you know, the, I haven't really been interested in this feud for the <laughs> most part. Right. But I feel like now it's finally starting to take off. Yeah, and I'm I'm always... I'm always for the use of the Singh brothers in every single way. Like, that's why they are there. Don't just use them to be somebody to distract the opponent or maybe beat them up while maybe the ref's not looking. Use them in matches, too. Use them so Jinder Mahal, we don't have to see him in the ring all the time facing an opponent. We see the Singh brothers in there and Jinder Mahal maybe getting the distraction, you know, or maybe getting a cheap shot in. Like, I I agree. Do a handicap match and have Jinder Mahal interfere in that all damn time. All damn match. Have him do that. It's something that where I like the utilization of the Singh brothers all the time, every time, no matter what, because that's what a heel is. And that's what basically this whole heel thing is. It's we are a group and I, Jinder Mahal, I'm the champion, but I have my group here and we're going to use every single way to get an advantage on you. So use them in a match. I'm all for that. I think that's a way also for Shinsuke to beat the hell out of the Singh brothers, and it's a lot of fun watching them get beat up, especially a way Shinsuke Nakamura can do it by uh, really giving them that strong style. So, I am all for this. I really... Everybody, man, for some reason, just really hating on this, but I'm actually enjoying it. I'm enjoying Jinder Mahal a lot. I think the presentation's great. I think the Sin- the Singh brothers are a great addition to his entire character, and I-, I just really think it's good. And eventually, it's going to pay off where people are hating him enough that Shinsuke, when he finally gets it, it's going to be a cool payoff moment. Is it going to be Hell in a Cell? We will find that out. But the hype bros, Mojo Rally and Zack Ryder taking on the Usos. Now, the interesting part of this, the New Day coming out with popcorn and they're sitting in the crowd, and I like that instead of commentary, they're in the crowd. That's something different, something I like. But one thing first, we'll get to uh, Mojo Raleigh and Zack Ryder, kind of a miscommunication between the tag teams. Where do you see it going from here, and do you kind of like this miscommunication, kind of like a Zack Ryder or Mojo Raleigh not on the same page thing? I'm not really sure what they're doing because last week there was that tease about uh, doing something drastic to get back on the same page and I feel like they didn't really touch on that I I mean initially I thought it was just going to lead to a breakup but now I'm kind of curious if they keep them together and just have them work as like a frustrated team like I'm not I'm not really sure what the plan is with them well, I, I like how you brought up that because, again, I didn't watch last week. But if they said they were going to do something drastic, like why not go out there the first like five minutes of that match and Mojo Raleigh and Zack Ryder really putting it on him? Because if they tried to do that, I never felt that way. Like if they went out there and really just one move after another and just going and going and going, 
and really like, okay, they upped up the energy, they're really on the same page, and then all of a sudden, things just crash and break down. Like, that's what should have happened if it was going to get to this point. Like, okay, they're already kind of backs against the wall, and they're already kind of like, okay, this is the last chance, like, we really need to make something happen. And then when it all breaks down, like, we see this in sports. Like, it's a classic sports thing of a team's, like, last rallying cry, and then when they lose again, things just absolutely falter and fall apart. That would have been nice to see. Instead, it was just kind of normal, and uh, Mojo Raleigh just tagged him in randomly, and, oh, okay, well, why did you do that? So, yeah, if, if they brought up that, like, drastic measures, like, we really have to, uh, we have to go in there with a sense of urgency, I would have liked to feel that a bit more than just going out there and doing the same old thing and just have a miscommunication. Yeah, I mean, I know they're, they're probably not in the plans for Hell in a Cell, so maybe that's why they're holding. But mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. I, there needed to be that like little subtle anything, like kind of like in the Cruiserweight Classic, how we saw that with uh, Ciampa and Gargano. Yes. And then there was another little, you know, breadcrumbs almost. Like it didn't lead to anything immediately but then when it finally did you can go back to all those things and i don't feel like there are those moments yet it's just frustration and then it kind of dissipates and then it's like well what happened from last week so right and, and i think uh bringing up gargano and champa are very good because that's the best example i think of the kind of storyline that we're trying to go with here and maybe I don't know if I'm looking into this too much, but maybe I, what we're saying is it was too blatant of a miscommunication. Like, the best part of Gargano and Ciampa, there were many moments where we felt like Ciampa's going to turn here, Ciampa's going to turn here, Ciampa's going to turn here, and didn't. And they ended up hugging out, whatever it was. But maybe if we got that moment, like Zack Ryder was talking trash as the Usos were going away, or something like that, where his back is turned to Mojo, and we have that thought of, we can get a heel turn here. Raleigh's going to turn. He's going to he's going to attack him. Like if we got that moment of like kind of well, is it going to happen? Like his back is turned. This is the perfect moment for something to happen. Is it going to? But instead, we just got the oh, why'd you attack me? Kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, I I, I like bringing up Gargano and Ciampa because again, that's the best example and use that moment of just us anticipating because I think we all know what's going to happen now. Or at least we have a good idea. So play into that idea. Give us those situations where it can happen and then have us expect it and then it not happen. But it drops that little, like you said, breadcrumb uh, for us to see. So I think eventually it's going to happen. Um, we'll see when and how they do it. But after this, Usos go up to the New Day. And my favorite thing I saw on tonight's show is Biggie grabbing a microphone out of the bucket of popcorn like that's what again it's little things like that with new day that they do are just different than what we've seen from anyone but we set up here out of all the shenanigans going on and them kind of being silly xavier wood says hey we don't want to just go to hell in a cell we want to fight you inside a hell in a cell do you think this match kind of deserves that yeah i i feel like this might be the blow off so it definitely worked its way up to being inside of the cell. Um, it adds to it as far as, you know, making it even more high stakes. Like, it, they've gotten the best of each other the past few months. 
And I just, I, I feel like after this pay-per-view, they might be done, even though it's not been stale at all. Each match has gotten better and better, and I, I expect nothing less than from this one. Yeah, is, is there a, I don't know what we can really say about it, but I, there are a lot of people that's like, oh, this is going on too long. And just because it's been a long time that they've been going at it, does that mean it's stale and that we need to change? Like, I feel like if something's working, go with it. And it seems like it is. But there's always that small, that, that group of people that just for some reason want something new every single time. And I just like the longevity of this. These are clearly the top two teams, and they clearly have been going back and forth. So I like it. There's a, first of all, good dynamic between the two. There are the big bullies, and New Day likes to be a little bit silly. I like it. And then they put on great matches. And also, again, to the point, they are the clearly the top two teams in SmackDown. Why have anybody else go in there? Because it just doesn't feel right. These are the top two teams. These are the two best teams. Have them continue to go at it. And I don't know. Can you? Are you kind of puzzled, too, on why people think this is just stale at this point or why they need to move on? so quickly or why they should have moved on already from this people can't hold their attention like nowadays they want everything to be like new challengers and new 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 and like i mean i guess it's an older way of booking like not to make my sound <laughs> sound too old but i i've grown up in like i feel like three different eras of watching wrestling where i'm used to like the hulk hogan era here's how it is and then the new generation attitude era like and then i'll put the uh the ruthless aggression era and whatever you want to call it now where it's more geared towards tv and everybody wants you know now it's binge watching so i think there's that attitudes towards it and maybe just it's been that way so long that they're not used to having a proper build and i think it's just I mean, they're doing an awesome job. It's it's kept my interest. I thought the last match they had was the best one they've had so far. They keep a really good balance of comedy and action. Um, I mean, you could even mix up the combos with the New Day. So I just, I don't know. I think it's people yeah. aren't used to getting like a good, long, drawn-out feud when it's like not WrestleMania season. Yeah, exactly. I just, I think we are somewhat WWE's maybe fault that we are conditioned to keep getting new and fresh matchups. Where I like that this is continuing to go on. And yes, it gets to a point. Like I will compare this to maybe the Fast and Furious movies. Like we know what we're getting out of a Fast and Furious movie every single time. We know Vin Diesel and The Rock are going to be in it, and we know we're going to get some comedy from Tyrese, and we're going to get some comedy from Ludacris. But then we're going to get badass moments with Vin Diesel. Like we know the formula and kind of what's going to happen for Fast and Furious. But guess what movie tops the box office every single time it's released? The Fast and Furious movies. Like, this is, even though we kind of know the formula, know the characters, know kind of how they're going to go about it, it's still something that we are going to watch and enjoy every single time. And all of these people complaining now, I guarantee you, as soon as they get inside Hell in a Cell and we watch this match, it's going to be the match that everybody goes, that was crazy. They put on a great match. Like, I'm so glad I got to see that. And all the people are just going to shut up about it.
So that's that's how I feel. Because everybody complains about Fast and Furious and how, how much it sucks and that it's stale. And it continues to make the highest ratings in the box office every single time. That's what this is going to do. Matches have been great. Their last one was, I think, their best. And now they're in Hell in a Cell. An easy, an easy gimmick or an easy stipulation to make just that match, what they just had, and make it even bigger, grander, more epic, more violent. That's something that adds a new dynamic to it. So I'm happy that this is in Hell in a Cell. I think it's over from here. Like, Hell in a Cell, is, that's it. That's what Hell in a Cell is for. And they, they really, I think, built up this moment. I like it. So I'm not really concerned with people tuning out of the New Day and Usos. They're going to watch that Hell in a Cell match, and I guarantee you a lot of people are going to like it. But we get Aiden English. This was... I wasn't expecting anything from this at all, so maybe expectations have something to do with this. But Aiden English and Rusev should just be together forever. Like, Aiden English is the new singing, very pale Lana. I look forward to Rusev every week, and this <laughs> exceeded my expectations. Like, I think... Like, they, I think they know what they have with him. Like, he's not a dumb heel... But he's he's like a very good balance of like the comedic heel, but can still back it up. It's like too many times they went to one extreme or another. Like San, you know, for his heel run, Santino, like it was all comedy, and you know we enjoyed it for what it was. But it was like you never really took him seriously until he almost won the world title in yeah. was it Elimination Chamber the one year? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, mm -hmm. so. Or, like, Rusev always, you know, you kind of know what you get with him. And I feel like actually taking Lana away from him, even, and they're on the same show and they're doing a really good job of keeping them apart. I think they're doing an awesome job with him and just adding English gives, you know, he's not doing anything. It gives him exposure and it gets him over and it served its purpose tonight. I thought it was great, you know. Yeah, I thought I thought the the tricky thing was doing that national anthem thing, like Aiden English singing the Bulgarian national anthem, and not that it's risky, but it's just like national. That's all we hear about is the national anthem for the past like three days, three or four days, and for them to be like, okay, now we're playing the Bulgarian national anthem, and what do people do? Boo the hell out of it, like boo, like maybe some people were sitting for it, and it's just like, oh, okay, we don't respect Bulgarian national anthems, yeah, we don't care about theirs, so yeah, it's just like they bring up the national anthem, and it's just like, yeah, it's, I don't know if it was intentional, but just something that stuck out to me. But having Aiden English sing the national anthem, bravo, by the way. I think he nailed it. Like, can we say A-plus on the performance of singing the Bulgarian national anthem? I don't even know if that was correct, but it sounded good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm not going to go for accuracy. I was entertained. <laughs> I liked it. And then we get the Rusev song at the end for Rusev Day. And then vintage Randy Orton out of nowhere. Like, I think that's the one time recently where I actually wasn't expecting Randy Orton and it actually felt like it came out of nowhere. Like, that's the one time recently where it has felt out of nowhere. Like, I wasn't expecting it. Were you yeah, I was totally expecting him to, like, come through the crowd or, like, up through the platform, be, you know, like, behind Rusev or, like, usual, you know, WWE, like, 
tricks where he's the cameraman or something <laughs> like that. And this was just like the camera angle was right and it was a it came off the right way. I just thought it was well done. Yeah, it was it was great. The yeah, the camera angle was just right to where that's all we see is like this Randy Orton swiftly going left to right on our screen and RKOing um RKOing Aiden English and then RKOing Rusev completely out of nowhere. Maybe an RKO shot for the mayor would have been awesome too, but you know, thank God the mayor was able to get out of there safely. But Rusev Day is great. Randy Orton then backstage, awesome moment saying, and this was kind of different too. Again, something is something I don't think I've seen. Randy Orton going, hey, Renee, tell Rusev, I'm going to beat him up at Hell in a Cell. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Happy Rusev Day. Happy Rusev Day, Bill. Happy Rusev Day to you, too. <laughs> but I, I like that kind of uh, difference. It's not Randy Orton going on an exclusive video on Twitter going, I'm taking on Rusev Hell in a Cell, like typical WWE way of doing things. It was, hey, Renee, tell Rusev uh, Hell in a Cell. I'm going to kick his ass and then happy Rusev day. Yeah. Funny Randy Orton's like refreshing because like you said, usually he's like in the skull and like, you know, all serious and it's, it's dad joke. Randy, like it really is. Like I, I like dad joke. Randy, like that was, was that a dad joke or am I classifying that wrong? I'm going to, I'm going to say dad joke because yes, yes, he's, he's like lightened up and he's even said that in interviews. Like, he likes being a dad and like all I feel like he's the pun guy like yeah. I haven't I haven't laughed that much at Randy Orton intent like as it was intended since he threw the the Christmas present at Otunga's head <laughs> yeah I I just like that little remark oh yeah happy Rusev day like it it is dad joke Randy and he's a dad now so maybe it works out He's dad joke viper. Uh, but it was, yeah, something I thought was new, refreshing. I enjoy that. Uh, we get Carmelo. Our Car- Carmelo, holy hell, I've been talking too much basketball. Carmelo to the Oklahoma City Thunder. NBA Finals book it, by the way. Carmelo against Charlotte Flair. Um, first of all, the leash. And James Ellsworth on a leash. Like it or don't like it? I'm gonna, I'll, If I have to say it like, one way or the other, I'll say I like it. Why is that? Like, because that's where James Ellsworth, like, on a leash, like, that seems right, or? Yeah, it's like nobody else can, that's, like, on the roster would really fit that role. And it's just kind of, it's, like, creepy and awkward, and, (laughs) you know, it's not, like. (laughs) I'm glad we addressed that. I'm glad you did address that, because it is creepy and awkward. Like, I feel very uncomfortable seeing, like, a grown man in a leash. And, like, not just because it's a grown man, but because anybody on the leash just, like, obviously you think very weird, creepy things. Yeah, and then she has, like, the carabiner that she attaches to the ring post, which I thought was a nice touch. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. Like, (laughs) you're going to stay here. Good boy. (laughs) Uh, So I, I thought... First of all, Carmelo, I, I, Carmelo, holy hell, Carmelo looked great in this match. Charlotte did too. Um, I thought, I don't know what the purpose may have been if there was a bigger purpose other than Charlotte is taking on Natalia and Carmelo has the briefcase. So that's kind of why you would have them in a match. I get that. But other than that, really didn't serve any other purpose here. But other than maybe not really a, a higher purpose, it was a good match. Like, I think that's something. Like it was. I enjoyed that part of it. 
Yeah, I don't really know if there's like a long-term plan besides getting Carmella screen time while the other feud's going on. Yeah. I know they set it up in a, either the Twitter video or YouTube where it was just set up tonight, like a few minutes before the show went on. Uh, Carmella interrupted Charlotte's interview, and it was just about, I'm better than you, no, I'm better than you, and I'm going to prove it. And, <laughs> you know, classic wrestling feud like i was good with it and then it played out on the show i you know good match natalia came out looking forward to that so yeah and uh I didn't, her I making, didn't have any problems her making it. remarks about rick flair and things like that i think like that was expected and i think people expected it so much because usually like for some reason these situations where they bring up somebody that has been through kind of like a serious illness or almost you know with rick flair's case almost died and bringing that up it's like oh you can't do that but uh yeah i think it was so much expected at this point that when she said it it Kind of made an impact, but uh, I don't really know if it's, it did much just to bring up Ric Flair um, in that situation. So, yeah, kind of not much here, but Charlotte getting the win over Carmella and Natalia cutting some little promo. But then we get Dolph Ziggler here, and this is where the big controversy comes in at the damn show. Dolph Ziggler coming out as the undertaker and everybody just flipping the hell out like how could ziggler do that like if if there's any character that you can't impersonate it's the legendary undertaker and everybody just got really just very emotional over this for some reason dolph ziggler impersonating the undertaker when i guarantee you most of the people including me impersonate the undertaker almost every day anytime you walk into a room yeah we've all done it We've listened to The Undertaker's various versions of the theme song in your car and headbanged. I'll admit to that. <laughs> You've headbanged Ministry too. version. Uh, but yeah, I I don't I don't see the big deal. Like he's been doing it. It's like who else is he gonna do besides Hulk Hogan? And I don't think they're gonna go that far, but I I've enjoyed his little impersonations lately and uh, I feel like Hey, we finally got the payoff. So it's if you didn't like it, now you can see him talk trash with Bobby Roode for a few more weeks. Yeah, we we got the payoff, and this was kind of like the last big entrance he could do too. It's one of the most notable entrances in WWE history, and to him finally use that at the end. And it's funny because people are like you can't do that, you can't use it, and like that's what made Undertaker great. That's what made him so special. And that's kind of what Dolph Ziggler's like. That's the whole point with Dolph Ziggler's thing. Like, this is what makes him special. This entrance, like, I just did that, and that was nothing. Like, that's the whole point here. Like, I just did that entrance. Does that make me special or anything? No, anybody could do this. And so, when people get upset over that special, that's Undertaker's big thing. That's the whole point with Dolph Ziggler. And to be honest, it worked because it pissed off everybody in that arena and it pissed off everybody on social media. So it worked. And then we get the nice glorious tones of Bobby Roode coming out here. We get finally the payoff. Was this a good enough payoff for everything that Dolph has kind of been doing the past couple of weeks? Yeah. I mean, if this was where they were going with it, it was time to end it. Rude's been off the TV for, I know he, he wasn't there last week. I don't remember if he was on two weeks ago, but, you know, if you're going to call him up and have him featured, you got to get him back on TV. So this was enough. You have two more weeks and, 
you know, if, I think everybody kind of knew this was where it was going with the entrances, maybe not the first week because it was very random, but I think by the second week, everybody kind of figured out this was going to be the match. Now, do you think Dolph continues it? Like, do you think before the match or maybe the as but yeah before the match they they do their entrances and Dolph Ziggler comes out and does something different like he he impersonates another entrance as he goes out maybe he goes out and does the same entrance as Bobby Roode before the match yeah I was just gonna say I think next week he's gonna come out as Roode okay so you think he's gonna do that next week I was thinking well maybe that would kind of distract people from the match like I I'm picturing it as this going into Hell in a Cell you get Bobby Roode's entrance and he gets into the ring Dolph Ziggler comes out, and Dolph Ziggler comes out to the same exact song in the same exact robe doing the same exact thing. And that would piss off people right away before the match. And I think maybe that's a way to kick off Hell in a Cell. You get the glorious, that's a way to get people interested. And then heels get heat when Dolph right away does the same exact entrance and pisses everybody off. Because not one, you get the same song again after you just heard it, and it gets repetitive. And sometimes repetition can be annoying. And then Dolph is out there doing the same entrance, and it just pisses people off. So maybe maybe he does do it next week. I'm picturing it more kind of before their match at Hell in a Cell. He does it just right after Bobby Roode. Yeah, I, I could see that too. I definitely think he's going to try to get under Roode's skin by doing that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, I, think yeah. He'll, I think that's the only one he's going to do. I don't. I mean, besides Hulk Hogan, which I don't think they'll do, like, Taker's, like, the entrance, so. Yeah. Oh, certainly. Yeah, I think Taker's the one that finally, when you have this payoff, that's the last one that you use is Undertaker's entrance. So, yeah, I think it may be done doing other WWE superstars, but I think the last one is going to be Bobby Roode's uh, entrance, and it may happen next week, uh, in a couple weeks, maybe at Hell in a Cell, uh, which I think might be the case but after that, we get our main events, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. And first of all, if people were complaining at, at the first part of this show that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, oh, we got to go through this again. I guarantee you everybody was watching it and like, holy hell, this match is good. Like, there's a reason why these two together. First of all, again, there's a connection. There's a story there. But every time they're in the ring, we are always just always focused on what they're doing because it's so good so i don't like the complaints because by the time we get to the match everybody just shuts the hell up and is in awe of what these guys are doing yeah there's definitely been a reoccurring theme lately people react it pisses them off there's done there's an underlying theme that they kind of miss and then by the time the match rolls around everybody likes it it's like hey (laughs) they're doing they're doing their job like in Right, and it's not saying fans are stupid, but it's just like wait a little bit because even me, like I miss things and I have to wait to see how it goes. Like, And then as soon as something happens, I'm like, oh, I missed the entire point of it all. Here, we missed the entire point of it all because what moment did we get that we first saw? Like, I remember when Kevin Owens first, like that first moment we saw Kevin Owens become that kind of character, that ruthless, like aggression character. And I hate to use ruthless aggression because it defines an era, but that defined what Kevin Owens was in NXT when he powerbombed Sami Zayn on the apron twice. And that was a moment that everybody was like, holy shit, Kevin Owens for real. And then we get that same moment again as we first see Kevin Owens with the headbutt on Vince McMahon. 
then what's the best way to continue this Kevin Owens being a legit badass and somebody that is crossing the line? Do that apron spot again. And everybody went nuts. It was violent. That thud on the apron was violent. And then Kevin Owens went to do it again. Like, I think, again, we kind of missed the point of maybe what they're trying to do. That moment there with Sami Zayn, that's the best they could have done. Like, of course, nothing is going to top what Kevin Owens did to Vince McMahon. But this is a moment that we can recall and look back to and remember that, oh, yeah, this was a moment where Kevin Owens looked like a legit badass. So I like that they played, replayed that for us again. And it it just was very reminiscent of that NXT takeover. Um, I don't know if you remember watching that, but it was very reminiscent. And I like how they recalled those images again because it worked so well the first time. Did you kind of like how they, I I guess, did did you like that they were, they recalled that and kind of um, used that moment over again? Yeah, it's like anytime they want to like level up Kevin Owens, it's, hey, Come beat the crap out of Sami Zayn. Yeah, and, and power bomb him on the I mean, apron. It's worked three times on WWE TV. I think I, yeah, I was at that was at a what was it Takeover Unstoppable or whichever one the title match. He basically beat him until he couldn't get up anymore. Like yeah, mm-hmm. I, I saw that live and I watched the power bomb, the one before that and. I mean, you have the turn, the title match, the feud on Raw, and then here. Mm-hmm. You have to assume, or you know, a small majority is watching all of them, and there's just these little tweaks, but it's the same thing. Beat the heck out of your former best friend. It shows how much of a crummy person you are, and it, you know kept Shane and him apart, sold their long brewing feud or whatever, you know, like another breadcrumb. Like, they're going to eventually feud again. Yeah. Even though people don't want to see it or do want to see it. Here's <laughs> another breadcrumb. Here's another, you know, another highlight clip. Yeah. I think, I think it worked. It served its purpose. Like, you can't have a big title match every week you can't have you can't have the same thing happen so i like the variety i liked how last week there was the studio footage and then this week was violence towards another person and shane still came out and there was still like that dramatic moment of is he gonna get him and then the shot in the crowd like it it's been good yeah, I, I thought uh, all of that was great. The anticipation of a Shane going to get his hands on him. Love that. But yeah, it's and, and it is that breadcrumb, but it's it's that moment that we see over and over again. Sami Zayn getting powerbombed on the apron and having to be kind of carried off, carted off, whatever scene we see. But Sami Zayn beat to a pulp. And it has the same effect every time. And it's not like they do it every single week, every single month. They do it at the right times where Kevin Owens needs to look like that kind of person, needs that aggression to be shown. And what better way to do it? Again, like you said, his former best friend and somebody that he's done this to before already. Like that's when we know Kevin Owens snaps or crosses the line. Like that is our visual. That's when we see that. It's like we're conditioned for images or like a dog when during that study was conditioned. Every time they hear the bell, the dog knows that there's food 
coming. So the dog has saliva coming. Like, we are conditioned every time we see that moment to know, okay, Kevin Owens is ready to beat the hell out of somebody. Like, that's when we know Kevin Owens snaps is that moment there. So I like that they keep recalling this moment at the right times. Like, if this was Kevin Owens is going through a silly feud and then he did it, but then he goes and takes on the New Day in, like, a, a stupid gimmick match, like, that doesn't work. Like, or if he was to do it just to get into a stupid, like, investigation with Brizongo, that doesn't work. But there is already so much aggression in this storyline. Kevin Owens has already snapped. So it works. It's, per- it's placed perfectly in this storyline. And if they place it perfectly every time, I am okay with it because it gets the same reaction every time we see it. And I love it. So we get the ref stoppage. We get Kevin Owens running away from Shane and all that anticipation. So as this show wraps up and as we kind of wrap up here, what do you kind of need to see more of before, whether it's from a certain storyline or maybe just more of uh, uh, overall on the show, but what is something you need to see more before we get to Hell in a Cell? I just want to see like more peaks and valleys like we've gotten over the past couple weeks. Like just keep... Keep going with the variety, and uh, I think you just kind of touched on what I was maybe going to bring up about. I don't want to see, like, just six-man tags thrown together. Yeah. You know, we had the, as much as I enjoyed the Teddy Long era, the tag <laughs> team match at the top of the hour just because, and they take the two feuds or three feuds, like, I think they're doing a great job of staying away from that, keeping all of the individual feuds interesting in their own way and I just I want to see them do that for the next two weeks until we get to the pay-per-view I'm if I have to point out one thing specifically I'm wondering if we're gonna see the title the WWE title match end up in Hell in a Cell because of the points you made earlier about the Sings getting involved oh it it kind of stuck out like that hasn't gotten a stipulation yet. So I'm curious. I'm not going to be disappointed if it's not because we have two other great cell matches. But it'll be interesting to see how they kind of get from tonight until October 8th. Right. I think there's usually two classic examples of using a Hell in a Cell. Like one to pay off a very violent, long feud. And like this is kind of the end-all, be-all. Or a cell, whether it's a steel cage or a Hell in a Cell, used to keep people out so maybe try and keep the Singh brothers out. Like maybe they attack him backstage or uh, something where the advantage gets to be too much. Even though Shinsuke overcame those odds, the advantage gets to be too much where, okay, we need to keep them out, put them in a hell in a cell, settle it between you two. So that's interesting. Maybe it does take that turn. Um, I feel like we've already gotten, uh, I think, the hell in a cell matches that we needed on this card so far. Uh, but something, yeah, certainly I want to see is just don't take that ga- don't take your foot off the gas pedal because it does seem like they get way too comfortable in just going, okay, we're two weeks, a week before the pay-per-view. Usually it's that show that's about two weeks before because the go-home show usually gets a little bit more and you, you kind of kind of get that last moment of, well, here they are, like, tense moment in the ring. Like, what is it going to be like Sunday? So we get those tense moments. But usually it seems, like, relaxed a couple weeks before. It seems so relaxed to the point where it's just like, okay, we're just putting them in tag matches. We're just showing these feuds just to show them. But I don't want them to take the gas off the pedal because tonight's show was new. 
and it was it started feuds in a, feuds in a different way than we're used to. Like Randy Orton setting up a match by telling Renee Young to tell Rusev about it. Like that's something new. The New Day in the crowd taking a microphone out of the popcorn bucket and Xavier Woods maybe on Periscope or whatever it was, Facebook Live saying, we're going to do a Hell in a Cell match. Like, keep doing things like that that are different that keep me interested. But uh, that's kind of wrapped things up on this SmackDown Live. And before we wrap up SmackDown Rebellion, Mr. Pritchard, what do you got going on? Where can we check you out? Uh, where can we see any of your stuff? Uh, Twitter, again, bpritchard152. Uh, I'm on WrestleZone. Almost all the time, especially during Raw and SmackDown. Uh, that's about it. I just I got lots of WrestleZone. Co- <laughs> Basically, going on right you're now. just I, saying uh, WrestleZone.com, and you'll see yeah. my name plastered everywhere. <laughs> Usually, I'm plugging my freelance stuff. I do graphic design, but I'm kind of focused on. I just bought a house, so I'm trying to be what? handy as Dropping much as I can. Dropping that news on us at the end of the podcast. Congratulations, man. Thank you. So yeah, WrestleZone and more wrestle landscaping. <laughs> landscaping. There you go. I'm I'm a I'm I, I was born into a family of landscapers and tree surgeons, and everybody laughs at that term, tree surgeon. But yes, I was born into the family of landscapers. So I got a Can nice I get a pop. discount. Um, tree removal is expensive. Tree removal is expensive and work that I don't like doing. So that's why I went to college and worked my butt off to just sit on a chair and talk into a microphone all day. So, yeah, tree work sucks, and it is expensive. So <laughs> good luck. <laughs> but yeah, if, you you guys, <laughs> if you guys take anything from this show tonight, go to school so you, so you, you don't, don't have, have to drag brush. <laughs> you don't have to drag brush and throw it into a chipper. Yes, <laughs> go to school so you don't have to do that. <laughs> if I, I love how that's the lesson we get out of this show but that that definitely wraps up Smackdown Rebellion you can follow me at jjansen34 we will talk to you guys next week